when it takes a long time to take up the offering. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I love that. Y'all, come on. Loosen up. Loosen up. This is a great crowd on an early service getting ready to go into a holiday week. Can we just give it up for growth and God? Thank God. Praise the Lord. I've been proved wrong again, Eddie. Kept saying nobody's gonna show up. They're all gonna be in Florida. They're all gonna be at Disney World. Uh, maybe not being in Florida this week might not be the best thing. But they're going to the mountains or or something. But I am glad that you are here. How many are going out of town? They going out of town right after the service? Awesome. Be safe. Have a great time this week. Before we jump into the word, let me let me reiterate one of their announcements uh, really quickly. Growth track. It's right outside this door. You can sign up for that. It is what we call the on-ramp to everything. We want every person connected to their purpose in the kingdom of God. And one way you can do that quickly is to get involved in the ministries of the church. And the way to do that is through Growth Track. Like she said, it's a free lunch for four weeks. Come on. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So just sign up for that right outside the door when you leave today. We'd appreciate that. Let me ask you a question. What is the most frustrating thing to lose? What is the most frustrating thing? Car keys. Time? Oh, that's, that's, you got me on that. That's deep, brother. That's deep. That's deeper than me. Somebody else. A phone? Ooh. That's not where I was going either, but that's true. Lose memory? Wow, you forget things. What was it I needed to do? And you put the reminder in your phone, which is lost. What about your wallet? When I was 16, I had just gotten my license. And I went out with friends one of the first times. And we, of course, went to McDonald's because that's all we could afford. And we went to McDonald's. And, and, and I hate having my, I always have, always still do not put my wallet in my pockets. I hate my wallet in my pockets. And so I had my tray and I had my wallet on the tray. And of course, everything went into the trash. And I left. And then when I needed it again, I realized later, just about an hour later, I realized I had, I had lost it. And I thought, I have thrown that wallet away. And I went back to the McDonald's. Now, here's the other question. What are you willing to do to retrieve what or find what you have lost. I was willing to go through the trash with people gawking at me, and I didn't care because I knew already what how difficult it was going to be to get that license back and go through all those steps again, and I did not find it. I had to do it anyway. So, yeah, yeah, it's a lesson learned right there. You don't put your, throw your wallet away. But anyway, we are in part five of kingdom, part five of kingdom. And by the way, next week, we're going to be wrapping this up with part six. And you don't want to miss it. Dr. Thomason is going to be bringing uh, the final part of this series. It's talking about the power of gratitude in the kingdom, the power of gratitude. And you guys know that are here, he always brings a powerful word. You don't want to miss that. I'll be on a mission trip this week. I will be here next Sunday, but it's kind of hard to prepare when you're gone. So he's going to be bringing that word. But today we're going to talk about lost and found. Lost and found. Will you pray with me? 
Father God, we love you today. Thank you so much. I'm so thankful, God, that we have this day to gather, the Lord's Day, as the body of Christ and come together. There's really nothing like it on earth. And people all over the world, in different churches, different denominations, but the same faith in Jesus Christ are gathering all over the planet today. And we are a part of that church. And we celebrate that gathering today. And Father, I pray right now that you would make your word come alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. That it would penetrate deep. And that if it does cut, Lord, that you would turn around and then heal immediately through your word. We bless you and thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 15. We're going to have it, of course, on the screen in the New Living Translation, but you can follow along in your Bible. Uh, There's three parables in Luke chapter 15, and we're going to kind of hit all three of them. And they all have similar themes, but kind of come at different angles uh, with them. Let's look at Luke 15, verse 1. There's the alarm. Praise the Lord. Somebody had a reminder. Anyway, whatever it was, go and do it. Now, wait, wait until after church. Luke 15, verse 1, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Do you think they would have come if he was condemning and judgmental? It just said they were notorious sinners. (laughs) Just a little thought there. Anyway, verse 2, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Now, Jesus just made it a habit in his ministry to always hang out with these that the the Pharisees thought were hopeless sinners. And it drove them crazy. It drove them crazy. Most of these religious leaders had become so focused on the law, 613 rules and regulations, not the Ten Commandments, on the entire Torah, they got so focused on that that they had completely missed the heart of God. And by their actions, they were proving that they really didn't know what the kingdom of God was all about. So remember, let's let's think back about our teachings the last few weeks. Jesus came to demonstrate the kingdom when he came. He came to show us the culture of heaven and a huge part of that demonstration was his willingness and his desire to reach out to fellowship with to touch and to heal these hurting people people that were lost verse 3 so jesus told them this story a parable if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost what will he do Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully, everybody say joyfully, joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call it together, together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep in the same way. Say that with me. In the same way. Now he's making the connection between the story and the kingdom of God. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God over the 99 others who are righteous and who haven't strayed away. Now, this last line is tongue-in-cheek. It's sarcastic. He's saying there's more joy in heaven over one person who actually 
comes back to God, who actually repents of their sin, who turns to God, than 99 others who think they don't have to. He's talking about us, church. He's talking about church people. Just kidding. It's not you. All right, here we go. So this, this first story is about lost sheep, and the lost sheep doesn't really know he's lost. Sheep aren't the smartest animal out there. I don't know if you know. That's why Jesus always used them in the illustration to talk about us, because sometimes we are not the smartest and not, don't make the best decisions on the planet. So he compares us to sheep all the time. Sheep, all they do is they go from tuft of grass to tuft of grass to tuft of grass, and they keep their head down, and often they can wander off and be lost for hours and not even know it. Ladies, just like your husband who refuses to use the GPS, I'm sorry, I had to get that in there, it's true. I don't need that thing. I know exactly where I am. Come on. Come on. True. Stubborn. Here's the first point. The majority of lost people do not know they are lost. The majority of lost people do not know they are lost. And just to clarify what I mean when I say a lost person, I'm saying a person that is far from God. A person who does not have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. How many of you have friends and loved ones that are lost, but they have no idea that they are lost? Now, you cannot make them be found. You, cannot, you can't make them believe. You cannot beat them over the head with your your coffee table, big red letter edition King James Version of the Bible. You, you want to, but that doesn't work. You might hurt them. You might kill them with that thing. You, you can't do it that way because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. And when we try to do the Holy Spirit's job, we end up coming across as condemning and judgmental, and we end up driving people away from God instead of to him. You need to hear me today. Our job is to pray. Our job is to be consistent and live out the kingdom in front of them on a consistent, faithful basis and then to be ready for that conversation when the Holy Spirit deals with their heart and he will. Come on. But always remember something when it comes to our loved ones who are ignorant of their condition, who do not realize that they need rescuing, who do not realize that they are lost. Remember this, look at the screen, God is searching for the lost. God is looking God is dealing with the hearts of men and women who are lost. And I'm telling you, prayer works. You need to hear me today. Prayer works. Don't give up. All right, let's move on to our next story, our next parable, verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully? Until she finds it. Now, just pause a second. Don't, don't look up there. Look at me. We can't hardly relate. A coin? How long would somebody look for a dime? About three seconds. 
right? You wouldn't, a, a penny, who cares? Uh, even a quarter, you might search 30 seconds for a quarter that you lost. That's not what we're talking about here. A drachma was what he was talking about, and that was equal to a day's wage. Now, think about a $100 bill. Some of you make a lot more than that and some less, but no matter what you make, if you lost a $100 bill and you knew it was somewhere in that house, what would you do? You would turn over everything looking at it, because I don't care how much money you have, $100 is valuable, and you would look for it. So that's, that's really what was happening here. Verse 9, and when she finds it, she will call on her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me, because I found my lost coin. I can go to the grocery store. I can feed my family today. In the same way, here's that connection again. There is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, in this story, the item is lost accidentally. In the first story, the, the sheep was ignorant of its condition. It didn't even know it was lost. It wandered away. Well, this is a coin. It can't wander. And it can't rebel. It's been lost accidentally. In 1980... A roller coaster was built in England called the Corkscrew. And it was the first double loop roller coaster ever. And so in 2008, somewhere around in there, they, they pulled the thing down. They tore the thing down. And the workers, the construction workers that tore the thing down, that worked up under where those loops were, well, they found all kinds of stuff. Listen to some of the stuff they found. A diamond wedding ring. 53 non-matching shoes. I'm just curious what you would do the rest of the day if you lost 604 watches, 237 cell phones. Now, that's in, that's in 2008. Just think if they, they looked and kept it there till now. Holy cow. Thousands of hats, and you can imagine that. Ten pieces of underwear. <laughs> and one prosthetic leg. It's like, I can't laugh at that. I can't laugh at that. As much as I would like to comment on those last two items, I'm not going to. But all of them were lost accidentally. Accidentally. Now listen. Life is hard, isn't it? Can I get an amen? Life is not easy. And sometimes life is like that roller coaster. And then sometimes that roller coaster even flips us upside down. That life sometimes just turns us upside. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, it turns us upside down. And when that happens, we can lose some precious things that God has instilled in our life, promises from his word, disciplines of faith and prayer and fellowship, Bible study. We can lose our faith even. Life has a way of turning us upside down and those valuable things that God has put in our heart and in our life, they can fall out, they can, they can be lost in those moments. It's not purposeful. It's accidental, just like with the coin. We don't set out in the morning and say, today I'm going to lose my faith. 
Today, I think I'll lose my peace and joy. Today, I think I will lose my quiet time with God. Today, I'm going to lose the promises of God. It doesn't happen like that. But sometimes it does happen, doesn't it? Come on, are you with me? No? Now, I know that's not the exact intent of this story. It's, they're all three about lost people. But I don't think it's a stretch to have this conversation with this illustration. And I think God wanted me to ask this question this morning. What is spiritually missing? What has been spiritually lost in your life recently? What have you lost recently? I want us to prayerfully take inventory today of what we have and what we don't have in our spiritual life. Look at the screen, because sometimes we don't know we've lost something until we need it. You know it's true. In the physical you're at home and you decide to have a project. Maybe your wife asks you to do something. You, need, you go out to the garage to get that tool, the hammer, the drill, whatever it is, a saw, and you can't find it. You didn't know it was lost until you needed it. And here's the parallel. You get into a heated spiritual battle, and we all do. And then when you go to reach for those things that had been there once before, those weapons of warfare, those spiritual things, you realize you've got nothing. You are empty. You've lost it. It's gone. You have no power. There's no anointing. Whoo! What happened? What happened? It's another point. The urgency of day-to-day -day life can cause us to lose our spiritual focus. The urgency, the urgency of just living day-to-day -day causes us or can cause us to lose our spiritual focus. I'm telling you, everybody look at me, there is hope today. That's why we're having this conversation. That's why we're being honest about this. That's why we're talking about this. You can find your place of intimacy with the Father again. The Holy Spirit right now can begin to illuminate and reveal those things in your life that you once had that you have lost and that you need again. And that's what I want us to do today is take inventory on those things that maybe life has tossed us and, and turned us over and those things, we've lost, we didn't even know we'd lost them. He will show us what is missing. All we have to do is ask. You know what? I'm going to stop right now. We're not done with the message yet. There's no better time than the present. I want you to bow your heads. If you'd say, Pastor Allen, you're that right there, that point right there is, is speaking to me. I've been tossed, I've felt like I've been on that roller coaster, and I feel like there are things missing, and I want the Holy Spirit to reveal those to me right now. Will you raise your hand? I'm not doing an altar call, I just want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand. I feel like I'm missing something, and I want those things back in my life. Holy Spirit, speak right now to those who have their hands up. Speak to their heart. Speak to their spirit, and let them know those things that they once had, that they feel like they've lost in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now, we're going to end the talk. We're gonna, the last story we're going to talk about is one that you could go around the world, and everybody's heard 
of the prodigal son. Doesn't matter where you go, everybody's the most famous story, most famous parable in the entire Bible. Now, I want to read this very familiar story from a new angle, a fresh angle. Listen, I want us to think about the last four weeks and our teachings about the kingdom to relate to this. I want us to, to hear what Jesus would say about the culture of heaven as it relates to the prodigal son. Verse 11, we're still in Luke 15. To illustrate the point further, and what's the point? That God loves lost people. That God is looking and searching and dealing with the hearts of lost people, and he loves to see lost people found. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed. Now, when Jesus said this about this younger son, there would have been a, a gasp come up from the crowd. Because in the culture of that day, for that boy to have asked for his inheritance before his father was dead, it was the same as saying, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. That's what they were thinking. That he, the crowd was in at this point. They were interested. Where is this going? Verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved. Everybody say moved. It was intentional. Everybody look at me real quick. The other two stories, the first was about an ignorant sheep that wandered, didn't know it was lost. The second was lost accidentally. This is no accident. This is no wandering. This is intentional rebellion. He moved to a di distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. But listen, even as he offended his father, he hurt his father. Even as he wasted his inheritance, even as he sinned, did he ever stop being a son? Not a trick question. Now, he chose to leave. He chose to remove himself from his family. He chose to leave in an act of rebellion, but he could never change his identity as a son of his father. When, he, when this boy was off rebelling and sinning and doing his own thing, he wasn't thinking about his father, but his father was constantly thinking about him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The point is, you can run from God. You can rebel. You can sin. But you will never be able to erase your identity as someone who is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of Almighty God. Yeah. Pastor, what are you talking about? You're on, a, on, the, on the line here. I'm not talking about universalism, which is the teaching that says everybody's saved. I'm not talking about that. That's not what the Bible teaches. We have to receive him. What I am saying is that God so loved the world. He loves every single person, no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, no matter how far they've strayed. God loves every human that's ever lived because they've been made in the image of God. Hallelujah. God loves every person. 
Look at the screen. You may not be thinking about your father, but your father is always thinking about you. And let me, let me do this. Your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, your mom, your dad, your cousin, your best friend may not be thinking about their father, but Father God is thinking about them. Don't give up on them because God hasn't given up on them. Continue to hang in there. Continue to pray. Continue to pray that God would reach their heart because he's thinking about them, even though God is the farthest thing from their mind. Can somebody say amen? Do you believe that? I know it's hard. I know it seems, believe me, we've been there. We've, we've, we literally have a, had a prodigal son who did all this stuff, same stuff. And there were dark, dark, dark days. There were moments in the middle of the night I would get the call from a police officer and I didn't know if it was, it was every time I thought he was dead, every time. But he had been arrested or this or that, whatever. There were some dark, dark days, and you may be in that moment, but I'm telling you, the father is thinking about him or her right now, and God is faithful. God is faithful. Verse 14, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, because that's the way it happens. <laughs> Your money runs out, and the economy drops. I mean, that's kind of just how it happens. And he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the, the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So once again, when Jesus said this, the crowds went, <gasps> because this was a Jewish boy. And Jews didn't look at pigs. They didn't think about pigs. They didn't look at pigs. They didn't talk about pigs, let alone touch a pig or feed a pig. Come on. This boy had not just hit bottom. He was somehow under the bottom. Can anybody relate to that in your life? Come on. You, you, you may not be there right now. Thank God. I hope you're not. You may be. But at some point in your life, you didn't hit, but you were somehow below the bottom. <laughs> Verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home. Say that with me. I will go home. Say it again. I will go home. Somebody needs to come home today. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and now I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me in. I was a hired servant. Now, he came to his senses, but he wasn't thinking clearly because he was still, listen to me, listen to me, he was still under the influence of his sin. He was still under the influence of his failure. He was still bound. He was not free. He did what so many of us do. He believed the lie of the enemy. I'm too broken. I'm, I'm too disgusting. I've messed up too many times. 
I've gone too far this time. The only hope I have is to work my way back into my Father's graces. If, he, if I can just please my Father enough, if I can just work hard enough, if I can just somehow make him happy enough, he'll let me back in. Some of you or somebody you know may be on this, this destructive path of performance. Trying to earn the favor of God, trying to be good enough, trying to change your behavior enough to make God happy or to please God or to get in the favor of God again. Listen, if, it was, if there was any possibility that we could earn our way into the kingdom or change our behavior enough to please God, then Jesus came and lived and died in vain. The cross was not necessary. The blood was not necessary. The torture and the pain was not necessary. Salvation is a free gift. Restoration is a free gift. Healing is a free gift. Forgiveness is a free gift. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and grace is unmerited favor, undeserved, unmerited favor. Look at the screen. Wait, wait, wait. Don't put it up there yet. Hold it. I want you to get this next point. If you don't hear anything else today, I want you to get this, and I want you to get it for yourself, for your family, for those you love. Put it up there, please. Stop pushing God out of your mess and humbly invite him in. Stop pushing God out of your mess and quit acting like it's not there and humbly invite him in. Our tendency is to what? Put on a mask. Hide reality. Hide the mess. Folks, God knows it's there anyway. You can hide it from me. You can hide it from your friends. You can't hide it from God. He knows it's there. God wants to be invited into all of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He wants to be right in the middle of all that is you. <laughs> Somebody hear me today. He is not ashamed of you. He is not mad at you. My God. He loves you. And he wants to help you and save you and restore you and heal you and rescue you. The most famous scripture in the Bible 
John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Unfortunately, that's a, that's a phenomenal scripture, but we stop there too often because 17 is just as important. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to throw lightning bolts at you or to judge you or to hurt you. He came into the world to save you and your family. Come on, somebody. Give him the best praise. Say this with me out of, out of an act of faith. Jesus doesn't want to condemn me. He wants to save me. Let's do it again. Jesus doesn't want to condemn me. He wants to save me. And it's a personal decision. Nobody can make that decision to receive that grace, but you. We each must come to a place, a point of decision and decide whether we are going to accept or reject that gift. If we reject the offer, sin will continue to separate us from God. That's the problem with sin. Folks, it separates us from a holy God. That's why Christ came, because of the sin problem. But if we accept that gift, if we, we then acknowledge our need for forgiveness, our need for a Savior, we confess our sin, and then we receive Jesus as Lord of our life. Everybody look at me. That's it. That's it. Oh, but pastor, there has to, that's it. He did the work. Only Jesus could do that work for us. You can't get any more saved than at that moment. You can grow in your faith. You can discover your gifts and begin to use them for the kingdom. But even if you go and win a million people to Jesus, which is awesome, and I hope you do, you won't be any more saved after that than when you first came and bowed your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Salvation, restoration, forgiveness, they're free. And they're available this morning. Verse 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Why did his father see him coming? Come on, somebody. Because he was looking. Hallelujah. Because he had been thinking about him every moment since he left. Hallelujah. Filled with love and compassion, not condemnation and judgment. I hope this is good news to somebody this morning. It, I, I sure enjoy it. I sure enjoy it. Come on. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. 
embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've, his son, as soon as his father got there, his son goes into this rehearsal, this, this rehearsed speech. Oh, Father, I've, I've sinned. And it's like his father doesn't even hear him. Verse 22, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring out the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. The ring and the robe and the sandals signified that he was not a servant, but a son. The celebration is to let us know that all heaven rejoices when a son or a daughter comes home. Hallelujah. Look at the screen. The father was thinking about a party, not a punishment. The the father was thinking about a party, not a punishment. Does that mean there are no earthly consequences for our sin? No, of course. The kid lost everything. The kid lost all his earthly wealth. You can't hit redo. You can't get another inheritance. You can't can't go back and, and not do the things that he did. But now he's living in grace and forgiveness and healing. And he's back with his father. And there's a party, not a punishment. Hallelujah. Now, I wish I had time to finish the story and talk about the elder brother and his reaction, which, by the way, he was not pleased at all. He was not pleased at all with this whole grace thing. He was not pleased at all with the party. As a matter of fact, he would not go in because he was so mad. He was so angry. He was so prideful. He was so self-righteous. You know, Jesus put the older brother in there because of the Pharisees that were listening to the story. The older, listen, listen, the older brother was just as lost as the younger brother. And Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees, listen, just because you think you're okay, you're not. You're being self-righteous, and only I am righteous. And he wouldn't even go, he lost out on the celebration because he wouldn't even go in But that's a different sermon for another day. So what's the idea, the big idea for these three stories? I think, here here it is right here, the heart of the father is to see his lost children found. The big idea is the heart of the father is to see his lost children found. Nothing pleases God more. Are you hearing me? Nothing pleases God more than when someone gives their heart to him. Then when someone who has walked away from their faith, who has turned their back on their faith, comes back and is restored into the kingdom. Forgiven, healed, set free. Now here's the deal. As followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ today, this is what we need to take away from this message. The moment we fail to seek and save the lost. The day we forget that there are spiritually dying people outside these four walls. The second we become inward focused, it's all about us, instead of outward focus is the second we become the Pharisee in the story. 
It's the second. We become the older brother in the story. We are no better than they are if we lose sight of the mission to seek and to save the lost. Hallelujah. And to celebrate, to celebrate when people come in. That's why we have community serve weekends. That's why we support the summer lunch program. That's why we are in Kentucky every single Christmas. That's why we risk everything to go to Pakistan. That's why we still continue to support Pastor Sammy every month financially in Pakistan. That's why we uh, raised almost $20,000 for flood victims in Florida and in Texas. That's why at 7 p.m. tonight, a group of us are flying to New England to do a mission trip and share the love of Jesus. That's why witness is one of our four core values because we are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, if we lose that. Put the next slide up, please. The moment we forget the lost is the moment we've lost the kingdom. The moment we forget the lost is the moment we've lost the heart of the kingdom. Because the heart of the Father is to see his lost children come home. And it needs to be our heart as well. Will you bow your head?